well, first, how does it happen? You have to get it there. And this Halo alone, just with the cabinets and LED modules that make it up, we're talking over 30 semi-truck loads of 40-foot flatbed trucks. Hello and welcome to the Dactronics Experience Podcast. I'm Justin Oxner here with Matt Anderson. Today we're joined by Luke Tingle, Dactronics Project Executive, to talk about the Los Angeles Clippers Project for the Intuit Dome, their new arena currently under construction. He shares all the details about the largest double-sided halo in an arena setting and all the other details of this massive project. We're here today with Luke. Luke, how you doing? Doing well. How are you? Doing good. And of course, we have Matt Anderson here. Hello, Luke. Um, to kick this off, I, we want to talk about this Clippers project and this double-sided halo. But before we get to that, can you tell us um, a little bit of your background and how you got started with Dactronics? Sure. Yeah. I'm excited to be here and excited to talk about this amazing project. Uh, and yeah, me personally, I've been with Dactronics for over 17 years now. Um, I'm originally from South Dakota, which is where our company's based in Brookings. I went to college Brookings and started as a student. Um, project manager and in our sports market and primarily in the Great Lakes region. So as a student, I was helping out with projects at the, the Cleveland Browns, the University of Louisville, the Cleveland Indians, or now the uh, the Guardians. And um, from that, when I went full-time, you know, I've, I've stuck with the project management role and wore a few different hats in different regions and had the opportunity to even do some international work in our Asia-Pacific regions. And eventually that led to opening an office in Sydney where my wife and I moved down there and lived for a few years. Oh yeah. And now I've been based in California for almost nine years. And um, it's kind of a current role as project executive, overseeing a team of project managers across the U.S. in the primarily in sports market and some of our spectacular projects. So again, I want to follow with that, Luke. I mean, mentioning that you've kind of stayed in this a similar role your entire time at Dactronics. What is it maybe about you know, project management or being a project executive that, that you like that's kind of made you keep staying in that field? Yeah, I think it's the, the role that, you know, is, is kind of a, a widespread role. We get involved in a lot of the sales or pre-construction side of things where some of these, like, like this arena itself, uh, you start talking about many years in advance before they even break ground and, and trying to, to grow those relationships and get on board with the project and then figure out how to price it and estimate it. And then... The team, I think, is what uh, what I love on the fulfillment side. You know, we we at Dectronics have some of the best engineers and and professionals in the industry. And and as a project manager, you're leading the team that you're assigned on a certain project that could be anywhere from twenty to fifty individuals that help you on any certain project. And um, you know, that, no project is the same as we'll talk about on this project. You know that. We, we talk about arenas and center homes usually come to mind and those are very complex displays hanging above the court or the ice and the 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 work that goes into that from the design all the way through manufacturing shipping and installing it is uh, very challenging and there's a lot to, to coordinate all of that and i think that's what the project management role is over that umbrella of, of making sure it comes together um, from beginning to end and uh, deliver on the customer's vision and goals and I think that's what we kind of want to talk about today, too, is that huge team that you're talking about to 20 to 50 individuals and how you come together and, and work as a team to provide for the customer, like you said, from before they even break ground. Um, and speaking of which, we're talking about the L.A. Clippers project today and the new Intuit Dome that they're, that they're building out in L.A. Um, can you give us some background on that project itself and when they're planning to open that arena? 
Yeah, sure. So the Intuit Dome will be the new home of the Los Angeles Clippers, and it's set to open in 2024. Uh, we've uh, you know been on board for almost three years now. I think conversations go all the way back to 2019, so almost four years that I've been involved in this project. And um, at, when they brought us on as a partner, you know, we started early on with the designs and and how we incorporate into the project. And um, yeah, it's just excited that the Clippers are going to have their own home. You know, currently they're playing at Crypto.com Arena, where they're sharing it with the the Lakers, the Kings, and the Sparks. Uh, so I think they're excited to have their own home. Um, and and what a home they're going to have. <laughs> I'm thinking you said you like discussions even started back in like 2019 even. What is, I guess I've never been, I would say, involved at those beginning decisions, right? I mean, you're getting a new arena and everything, but what were those early talks like? I mean, it's not blank slate. Did they kind of come in with some ideas? We came in with some ideas and kind of worked together? Yeah, t- typically when we get involved, you know, the, the owner will have a an architect on board and, and typically even a general contractor on board. So in this case, it was AECOM. And then the general contractor is a joint venture between the Econ Hunt Turner. And they they have a vision of, you know, when, when we start getting on board with a with a, any customer, we want to learn about their what's their vision and their goals for for their project, whether it's a, a retrofit or an all new build like this. And so that that's where the discussions start. Um, and then AECOM on the architecture side had design team, you know, had had the vision of this halo and working with uh with Mr. Bummer on what what that might look like, and you know that comparing it to a traditional center home, and and us giving us our our um you know our experience and the trade offs between the two, and um, you know really just working through obviously the construction logistics of what each would look like and and the impacts to the to the building and, and the budget and all that. Was there anything um, in this early stage that? you know, working with the architects and the, and the construction team that they knew exactly what they wanted, or even like you mentioned, Mr. Balmer, the owner, did, was there something they were looking for when they were building this? Was there kind of a, a specific element to that vision? Well, I think just high level, it, you know, getting to be on a few teams calls with Mr. Balmer is he's a basketball fan. He is doing this for, to build a true basketball arena that the Clippers will have home court advantage of. And specific to our scope, the halo was always part of the discussions. And I think where we get on as a partner is, you know, what, what to look out for, right? Like dif- different heights, different, uh, sight lines that the architect want- wanted our input on and, and the technology that goes into that to make sure, you know, it's, uh, um, it's not out of date hardware by the time you put it in. I think that was a discussion we had with, with Mr. Walmart that, you know, the, He's a software guy coming from Microsoft, so um, the software is always going to be able to be updated, but uh, you just want to make sure he was putting the right hardware in there so that it was going to be fresh and, and relevant even five years after the building opens. And, and so there was a lot of discussions around the technology and, and, and how that fits into the, the, the overall architecture of the building. Yeah. And this maybe ties into my next question then is, I mean, you saying from the get-go they were interested in the Halo, right? Because that was the thought I had was an arena you will typically see center hung displays, sometimes end walls. And maybe we can get into like, you know, what is unique about this project? We've mentioned the Halo. I, I believe it's the only Halo in an arena setting, right, Justin? Yeah, the largest double-sided Halo in an arena setting. You always know the right <laughs> wording for what these are. Yeah, so I'm still checking, but maybe could you touch on some things, Luca, just 
I mean, we've talked about everything going into this, but what, what truly makes us unique from other projects that you've worked on? Yeah, I think on the Halo, they, they reference it's almost an acre and, and growing up on a farm in South Dakota, that hit home. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of square footage. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're, we're just under 40,000 square feet just in the Halo alone for both display faces. And, um, you know, I think that obviously just the sheer size of it is unique, but it, it's interesting when you sit in these meetings with the architects and, you know, how good they are at their jobs. And sight lines is a big part of that to make sure every fan has a great experience and can see everything they need to see. And something as large as the Halo, that definitely had to be reviewed quite closely. Um, but then to add to that on the sight lines conversation, there's uh, this thing is about 600, or the Halo, 640 feet around um, on the largest uh, circumference. And on each end, there's about 60 foot wide sections that we call the, the operable hoisted ends. So they're actually on hoists, almost like a traditional center home, where they're gonna raise up out of the way. And that's to improve sight lines for, for concerts. Oh, okay. So they'll only be raised during non-basketball events typically. And and that'll help uh, be able to see stages if they're on different ends of the of the arena. And you know, when you're when you're talking about something that large and the structure that comes in, it's just the support the sheer size of it but then you start talking about the the alignment and the uh tolerances to be able to do that and then getting the technology a little bit this is currently sitting at a 3.9 millimeter display Mm -hmm. and on these optical ends the goal is to keep the gap at where the hoisted ends meet the fix less than two inches Um, and and to do that and and repeat that precision we've actually had to employ some some design partners on the hoist side and on a, a guide track system side so we we've actually using a similar type track system that they use on retractable roofs on these optical ends to be able to raise them up and down and, and repeat that uh that setting so when it is lowered back in game mode it it, it lines up and looks continuous so the, yeah. the engineering in this alone just on the halo is it's definitely something that's yeah i'm unique I'm thinking of the engineering here. It's kind of blowing my mind, and I'm, I'm just going to repeat that the whole the whole center hunt or the whole halo yep. is not raising and lowering itself. It's just each end. There's a section of each end of that halo that's raising right. up out of the way for sight lines and then lowering back down. So there's the the engineering, all the track saying operable ends. That's what we're talking about here. Is just a section of the halo lifting and then coming back down depending on events, and that's just crazy to think about there's got to be a lot of engineering like you've been talking about (laughs) going into the back end of this yeah you you talk about a traditional center hung and and you know these these displays are getting massive in some inside some of these arenas and and when you have a say a hundred thousand pound center hung um that's a very good size center hung in inside of an arena Mm -hmm. and this halo has two of those on each end but each end is is over a hundred thousand pound hoist capacity to be able to raise those 60 foot wide sections up. Um, it, it's quite a machine. This is where we get into the, it's not just a display all the time. We say yeah. it's not just a big TV. And I don't know, is this, I mean, you can kind of tell by the way you're talking, Luke, even you're excited about this, but I think this ties into what you said at the beginning about what you like doing as a project manager, right? Like it's cool stuff like this. Yeah, I think it's, you know, we, we're, we're excited about the challenges. And when you do something this big, and this complicated that there's a lot of challenges to, to work through and and make sure you integrate into the building and the construction and the the, the tolerances we talk about it, it's 
you know, I've, I've been, like I said, I've been doing this for 17 years. So I've done a lot of center homes and unique projects. And, and so I just, uh, I appreciate the challenges on, uh, large projects like this of how do you work through those and, and find solutions. Yeah. And you talked about the number of people working together to make sure this happens. And even just the numbers you've been throwing out of the, the weights and, and what's happening on this, this halo just kind of shows that so many people need to be involved to make sure, uh, it's done correctly, done safely and, and installed properly so that it, it can actually, um, come to life in, in the end, because that's the end goal, right? Is making that impact on, on those fans and, and those basketball fans. Um, and you Absolutely. talked about an acre of scoreboard, almost an acre, and we're making how many modules for this? And, and when do we start making modules for this? How, how long ahead of time to make sure that this is installed on time? Yeah, so we, we've actually started making modules last November. And sort of leading up to that, we we actually expanded our manufacturing capabilities uh, last summer where we, we cut a hole in the side of one of our buildings uh, on uh, upstairs and inserted a, another module line and we actually added some uh robotic machinery to to make cabinets and panels for the um for this project and many more mm-hmm. and so yeah started in november and uh, we're, we're still building them. we actually have one of the halo complete as of uh february where each face is about thirty thousand modules you're talking over sixty thousand modules of a, about a approximately a 12 inch square that um is the building block of smarts that that make up this display um it's it's just that the, the logistics that come with that of how do you manufacture that? How do you store that? How do you ship it and then install it? It's been been quite interesting. Um, and, and the conversations I've had to have with, you know, we, we talk about the team of 20 to 50, there's far more that are even in the background that aren't on uh, weekly meetings with me that in our manufacturing side that are helping, helping work through something like that of the, the size and the additional challenges that we maybe don't see on other traditional projects. Right. There's, there's a whole team working specifically on this project. And then there's the manufacturing team on the back end that's, that's actually building these, these modules. And like you said, they started in November of 2022 and, and started making them. And as of this recording, one of the faces is done. Uh, so more than 30,000 modules and we're working on the next 30,000 modules. Do you know kind of when, when we're going to actually start shipping these? Yeah. So we're still trying to, I guess, sync up with our construction schedule on, on that. You know, we, we're, we're actually going to be starting here in March on some of our steel components of it on the hoist, mm-hmm. those hoisted ends, and then work on uh, starting with the actual cabinets that house those LED modules, hopefully this uh, spring and summer, and then the modules will follow shortly behind that. And I'm not sure how much uh, detail you can get into this, Luke, but I mean, I'm, <laughs> if listeners, uh, they may think too, right? I will, we'll include a an imagery or something of this so people can see what we're talking about in the show notes. But so these are getting sent out. What is what does installation look like for them? Because right, I mean the 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 halo is going to be up in the air. You mentioned already being able to move two sides around. But how do you? I mean you don't you don't build it on the floor and then raise the whole thing up, right? Can you maybe just talk a little high level of what does it actually look like to install this halo display once it gets to site. Yeah, sure. That's that's been my life the last year. Of how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, and but luckily it's it's coming into fruition. Um, and, and we do have uh, some solid ideas. I feel because we're starting here soon. Well, first, how does it happen? You have to get it there. Mm-hmm. And this halo alone, just with the cabinets and LED modules that make it up, we're talking over thirty semi truck loads of forty foot flatbed trucks wow. that we're going to have to d- deliver this. So, just scheduling that with the construction schedule and everything else going going on. 
it, it's just it's a challenge um and you know th then we got to talk about boom lifts and cranes and hoists and getting that all up there luckily the the structure was very well designed um, by the construction team and it has catwalk levels inside of it that we can work off of uh through all the the safety standards that we have to do to, to be up there while we lift the material up and, and fix it in place. So I don't want to give too many of the secret sauce yet um, on the exact install methods of that. I think more will come on that. Yep. Um, there's there's definitely uh, some challenges there, and, and I feel like we have a good solid plan that we've coordinated with the, the JV construction team and, and ready to implement it. So, I mean, in recently around Dactronics, you become famous for the video that we did for when the, the Clippers and all the different... Uh, people involved with that, maybe implements. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, but it was they all came back to Brookings uh, essentially to kind of see. Maybe can you elaborate? Like, why did they come back here then, and what all happened during that visit? In case someone didn't see that. Yeah, so the, we we came back in January, which is a, a lovely time in Brookings, South Dakota, and we actually had quite quite nice weather. It was twenty degrees and no winds. So that's oh, that's been asked for in January. So I would yeah. think that any day. <laughs> Growing up in South Dakota, I knew what to expect, and I was pleasantly surprised. But you know the the main reason that we did that was actually a mock installation. So we we put together a very very small piece of how this is going to install because, as you can imagine, that the halo is is a uh, an oval shape and curved, and there's a radius aspect of that that we need to match with our structure and attachment. And so we had some of our installation teams and some of our our, our most experienced installers at Dactronics there, and and some of our corporate helped out and engineers as well. And um, we worked through that and change some of our methods and attachment methods and and fixtures and it was a really successful trip but yeah part of that we also toured our factory and we had uh, someone from the clippers owners rep on site with us and went through you know we were, we were producing the modules we were producing the cabinets and our new robotic uh laser welded uh machine mm -hmm. and um, you know i think for them part of these projects especially after what's happened the last three years in the, in the world with with covid and and part availability and all that that I think everyone just peace of mind of seeing it, um, ensuring it is being made and, and, and being able to touch it and, you know, seeing those 60,000 or 30,000 models that we have completed being stored in crates, um, mm. was quite impressive. So yeah, it was a, it was a very, very, uh, productive trip on the mock-up side, but also amazing to see the progress we've made and, and some of the quality control, uh, that our manufacturers had to implement, you know, when you. When you talk about the halo, I, I mentioned 3.9 millimeter, which is the pixel spacing mm -hmm. for this indoor display. Each display face is over 100 million pixels. So you're talking 200 million plus uh, pixels that have to be placed on those modules, 60,000 modules we were talking about. And oh, by the way, obviously everybody's going to want those to all match the same color, uniformity, picture quality. And, and so that hearing some of the quality control that our team had to do was quite amazing. The engineering that goes in, even on the manufacturing side that I don't really often get involved in, um, just blew me away. Yeah. All of that on the back end to make sure that, uh, this massive halo display, um, is, is installed correctly and, and looks great once it's turned on as well. And I mean, we've mentioned it before, but it's not just a TV that you're plugging into the wall here. Yeah. There's a lot going on behind it. And we've only been talking about the Halo as well. I mean, this is a brand new arena. There's, there's a lot be, to talk about there, but yeah. <laughs> there's going to be more than just this Halo, right? We've, we've worked with them to make sure right. that this Halo fit within the building structure, but there's there's other things going on. Can you give an insight on what's going inside the building other than just the Halo? Yeah, I mean, the Halo is really the inside and outside two displays. There's over 60 displays inside this arena, and it's 
you know, it's been funny. Some of our partners that we've done some site visits here in the last couple months, when they leave site, they, they refer to it as a stadium because it looks so big mm-hmm. in a traditional arena. And the reason for that maybe is it's the fact that, you know, it's not just the arena that they're going to play their games at. It's going to house their practice facilities. So there's two practice courts. They're going to have video displays um, in all their offices. And on the opposite end of the, the structure is a promo court that they can they can do different events in, in a full court basketball court and it has a video display on it as well. Um, I think they could do a lot of corporate events there. It's quite an, a, a cool looking space that's taking shape. Um, and then, you know, some of the more traditional stuff like a ribbon board and, and LED vomitories on all the, the aisleways to get to your seats. In the event level, you talk about the, the locker room typically has an aspect. So we have a nice uh, high resolution uh, ribbon display inside there. The I'm pretty excited about the interview uh, room space is going to get our point nine millimeter display 4k a lot of these displays we're talking are 4k resolution mm-hmm. and 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 so that's that's one of our uh one of our tightest pixel pitches i believe we go down to 0. 0.7 but mm-hmm. um, so i'm excited about that and there's uh, uh the numerous other little displays i guess spread throughout and then oh don't forget the the record that i'm not sure will ever be beat but uh our game clocks so we have uh Sometimes we refer to them as locker room or game clocks, but mm-hmm. basically they they can show time of day or they can show what's going on on the uh, the scoring system for a countdown for game time. And that was part of uh, Steve Ballmer's vision of you know we we to create that home court advantage we need you in our in your seat and and cheering for our team. And so we have over two hundred of these game clocks Holy spread cow. throughout the arena. Whoa and and. So there's had had to be side meetings alone just to figure out how do you get signal distribution to those, um, and and so it's uh yeah it's it's quite exciting and, and I think you know my passion I'm I'm obviously a sports fan but my passion is basketball and being involved in this project from the start of of an owner like Steve Ballmer that he he wants to build something that is going to help his team but also be amazing for the fans and talk about you know he's going to have. 10 times more bathrooms or whatever the number is to ensure that w- at quarter break, you can go, go to the concessions, go to the restroom and get back to your seat, not miss them into the action. And these clocks will just help you make sure you're on schedule for that. Um, it, it's, it's quite amazing. Um, I, I can't wait to, to see it all come together. <laughs> Just and I looked at each other. I don't even think we knew that part about the project yeah. 200 because they're like you said, locker room clocks, they're fixed digit clocks, right? Yeah. It's similar to a clock that you would see inside of, uh, of an office space, yes, um, and, and it's tied to our to our scoring system. Wow! And so that's just going to be—I mean, two hundred is a lot of different places. Yeah. So it's like what concourses, concessions, all those kind of places. You know, suites, um, back of house, um, you know, locker rooms, referee locker rooms, all, all of the above. Everywhere, you're not going to have an excuse for not knowing that the the game was going to start up again, or knowing how much time's left yeah. in the beer. Yeah. <laughs> and it. And if that wasn't enough, he also added a giant countdown clock at the top of the uh, the con- upper concourse level. Um, there's when you come into the the arena, and this is probably the the next most exciting display in the main lobby is a is a 20 foot by 190 foot curved display that will greet you when you come inside of the arena before you enter the bowl. Wow, um, <laughs> that that that's gonna be gonna be awesome, and then. You'll, you'll be greeted by that and giant escalators to get you up up to the upper levels. 
and at the top of that is a giant countdown clock as well to to let everybody know in that area that it's time to get inside the arena. The game's about to start. What you said twenty by what? One hundred and ninety feet. Yeah, I didn't stutter. Well, I might have said right, but I didn't. I didn't say it wrong. <laughs> no, I didn't doubt you did, but I remember hearing it. I went, "What did I write that down?" One hundred ninety feet. It was just such a large number. We needed to hear it again. A curved one. Too. Yes. Yeah. So, and then, oh, I don't think I mentioned yet. Before you come into the lobby, in the kind of the northwest corner of the site, is an outdoor plaza area that they're going to have an outdoor basketball court that is going to have 4K outdoor display. That's 40 by 70 feet, roughly. That is the backdrop to that court. Jeez. I mean, you you mentioned, I think, already that it was definitely important, but you have said 4K many times. So, like, I mean, from the very beginning, I know everyone's always wanting, you know, a bigger display, higher resolution, but it sounds like 4K was a big deal for this project, almost no matter where a uh, display was located. Is that right? It is. I think, you know, especially in the indoor world, 4K is becoming more more attainable um, on the display side of things. There's a lot that goes into the background for a production to make sure it's 4K all the way through with cameras and switchers and production. But, you know, we, we kind of tried to take it more of, does it make sense for the spend based on viewing distances? And that's a lot that comes into LED displays of, you know, based on how close your fans are going to be, we would recommend this pixel pitch. And then at that phase, then what size does it have to be to be able to achieve 4k and so that that is uh that's been part of our process and you know how we've as a partner brought ideas of what they could do and and how they would structure it and and the infrastructure support it yeah and to show how how thought out everything is here like we've been talking about how we connect with fans with these displays from the moment they arrive near the arena to to the concourses to get to their seats and all the the clocks and the size of the halo and what it's capable of but even before the project, they installed a, a mini Halo in their experience center. Can you tell us about that a little bit too? Yeah, sure. That, that was that was quite a fun project. So like like a lot of these new construction projects do, they do a, a preview center or a sales center. Um, I guess they call it experience center. Many different words were used, I think, uh, down along the road. But um, And then we put in a 1.5 millimeter display that uh, is about uh, 30 foot feet long. And in comparison, I think the the halo is about 250 feet um, end to end. Uh, and so it's a, a mini scale version and they put a mini scale version of a cord underneath of it. And um, it, it came out fantastic. I think the the feedback that they've gotten for the entire experience center has been amazing. Um, you know, trying to replicate some of the areas within the venue um, to show off. And then also they have uh, different suites that they tour um, that are for sale and, and, and the mini halo is just part of that experience. It's pretty awesome. Down yeah. in LA. This this is where I get to show off to Matt a little bit and say I've actually been there and gotten to oh, experience what? it. And it's it's actually really cool yeah. to, to walk in and see that and everything's kind of to scale in there. It looks so cool to show what they're building. <laughs> it it's it's really when, cool. When we when we commissioned it and they opened I, I took a few photos and passed them around internally and everybody's like, That's great, but can I see real photos? I'm like, No, I took those photos. <laughs> I went thought they were renderings. Perfect. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I, I don't think it was because of my great fo- photographic skills. I think no. it was more just to how great the, the, the place looks. Hey, don't sell yourself short. I've seen some of the photos you turn in. We always ask that too. Sometimes when we get pictures of displays out in the field in marketing, right? We always go, okay, is this the rendering or the actual photo? Right. We have to make sure before we say it, <laughs> put it out on Twitter and everyone's going to call us a liar. <laughs> right. <laughs> But I'm, I was writing down some notes here, Luke, while you were talking too, and it's, 
you don't have to get into like the exact software and stuff, but I mean, my mind thinks because I was in control systems for a long time. When you're talking about like all these different displays that are going up at the into a dome, is there just a gigantic command center control room for all this? Like I've seen some in different places, like I think US Bank Stadium had like a really big control room, but you could see everyone in there, right? Because they have the the glass walls. Is there like just one big control room hub that's going to control all these different displays? Yeah, gigantic's one word for it. (laughs) (laughs) There's obviously a control room production area space that uh, the the construction team's working on. And then separate to that, there's an entire rack room that will hold all the servers for the production room and our our equipment. So I think we're currently at 15 total full-size racks uh, to to, to house all the media players and processors that that go into something like this of the halo and the other 60 displays that we're putting around the venue. Um, so it, 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 it is exciting. I think, you know, we're, we are implementing our Dactronic show control system to integrate into the production and, and yeah, all the, the, the pieces that go into that to make that, uh, come to life. It's, it, I think that the room had to move locations a few times to be able to sit all the racks of not yeah. us, but everybody, but I think the, the construction team did a good job of, of finding a solution for that. Because I was going to say 15 racks already so far. How many are in like a normal arena job? Is it like two or three of our, just our average. average? Yeah, I would say average is two to three. You know, some of these larger ones, you might get to, to, to five or okay. seven. But yeah, the 15, the, <laughs> it's a pretty big number. Yeah, that's a sizable jump from the average. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and you, you yeah, mentioned, I always say more pixels, more problems. <laughs> you, you even mentioned bringing it to life, right? And I'm sure there's, there's content as a thought of that too, of like, what do you want to put on this display? How do you want to uh, use it to engage fans? I mean, there's obviously the live video and replays and things like that. And they all want the stats, but, um, I believe our content team has worked a little bit with them to try and pull some of these ideas of how they could bring it to life. Is that right? Yeah, we have, you know, that was obviously a, a big part of this display they don't want to just put up a massive display to say they have a massive display and i say they i say the clippers mm-hmm. you know they they want to be very very um uh i guess make sure that they carry on their goals and their vision of this arena of entertaining the fans and and steve Ballmer being a, a fan one of his goals is to make sure that when you're there you're cheering for the game you're engaged for the game and the scoreboard is there to supplement stats you want to see and replays you want to see. And there's sheer real estate. Obviously, they're going to be able to show any stat that you're ever going to want to see. Um, and it's quite exciting. And and so the how, how do you lay that out so that everyone can see what they want to see um, based on their views and sight lines of the Halo? We, we got involved. And then how do you get creative, right? With obviously sponsorships, always a discussion. And, and how do you entertain the fans at, at game breaks? So we've had some, and that's where the fanboy me comes out, uh, some mock-ups that we've done and, and visions. And there's some, you know, the opportunity is really endless of how do you not just show content, but how do you integrate to a to an experience? You know, we've talked about the, the fan of the game. It, how do they how do they get uh, represented on the Halo board and, and their section maybe gets, wins something that's integrated and, and drops down from them with, uh, parachutes, you know, it, it's pretty awesome. It, it's not just the content on the board; it's the entire production, right? The, the music, the, the the entertainment staff, and and, and all that. So, um, I I can't wait to much more creative people than myself what what they do with this thing and 
and start dazzling while obviously keeping keeping the the critical game information up there with the replay and the stats that I mentioned. So. Yeah, I I uh, had just came back from a conference and there was different owners from teams and they were talking about you know the the challenges these days is always to try and keep the fans engaged more. And you need to make sure that you have information out there for them to see and off their phone. So he had given an example, too, of, of like what you're saying. If they have to go to their phone to see a stat, what's going on out of town or anything like that, you lose them and you don't know when you're going to get them back, right? Because now they're looking at text and anything else. They could be taking a picture. But if you have information exactly. done right on, on video displays throughout, it gives them less of a reason and less of a hook to like keep them off of paying attention to the game. Yeah, absolutely. I, I saw it. I was at uh, Crypto.com Arena last week, and we did a big LED upgrade uh, there, which is where the Clippers currently play, along with the other teams I mentioned. And uh, we did three levels of ribbon board and two massive uh, video boards up in the corner. And those video boards, they refer to as their stats boards now. And and it's just more canvas for them to show more stats. Mm-hmm. So the, the video replays are all in their traditional center home that they have, but the different stats that they show up on those corners and, and myself being a basketball fan, I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Um, so it's just, just giving them more canvas to show more stats that um, giving fans less of a reason to pull out their phone and try to find something where it, it's just, it's going to be right there for them to see. Yeah. And, and the Clippers with nearly an acre of uh, halo display are going to have plenty of room to, yeah. to share those types of stats and, and information and engaging um, content for their fans. Uh, this has been amazing to, to hear all these details, all the engineering behind it, everything that they're looking to do in this new venue of Intuit Dome for the, the Los Angeles Clippers. So, Luke, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing all this information with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I think this, you know, you've working on a project for almost four years now. You you uh, you get so entwined in the tweets. Sometimes it's good to, uh, in the weeds, it's good to step back and, and remember that uh, um, all that's gone into it, you know, it, I talk about our engineering team. We've been on calls for every other week for two years now. And and sometimes I just have to pause and I show them a rendering that um, from a distance of, of this that has the basketball court underneath of it just to remind them of what we're working on. And it, it's still, every time I show it, the team is just like, oh, wow. <laughs> I can't see, can't wait to see that happen when they see it in real life too and not just a rendering, so. Yeah, absolutely. And we talk, we've been wanting to have you on to talk about this too, as we're getting excited uh, to be promoting and being a part of this project. And we may have you on again another time because we mentioned like you did, it's going to be shipping out. It's over the next two years almost still. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot more things going on with this. So we'll maybe have to have you back on for, I don't know, it's just like a mini series of just having Luke on of uh, updates to yeah. the Atone. <laughs> so Once be installation's cool. begun and then we'll yeah. have to have him back after he's been to his first game to hear how it went. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Well, let's wait for the reviews of this first one, maybe before you start making promises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. If we reach a certain number of downloads, then we'll have you back on. Yep. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Sounds great. Awesome. Well, thank you, Luke. Yeah. Thanks, Luke. Yeah, that was awesome. I appreciate it all, and uh, you have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dectronics Experience Podcast. Please subscribe at your favorite place to listen to podcasts to keep up with our latest episodes. <laughs>